Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Under the Radar listeners. Do not adjust your set. We're trying something a little bit different with this edition of the podcast. The summer transfer window's just shut, so instead of the usual comedy chit-chat, today we're bringing you the first of a two-part interview with Steve Parrish, co-chairman of Sean's beloved and often beleaguered Crystal Palace. We're calling it The Treatment Room, and if you like what you hear, let us know by posting a review on iTunes or sending Sean a tweet. So without further ado, here he is, Mr. Sean Hughes. I'm delighted that Steve Harris, the Crystal Palace chairman, has deemed to come in and say hello to us. Now, what possessed you to buy a football club, Steve? Well, you know, you're, you're, you're not having a comedian on, but I can tell you some funny stories about it. I mean, it's, it's, it's my club, really. That's why I bought it. You know, it's, it was my football club since I was six years old. But when you bought it, we were in dire straits. Yeah, I tried not to buy it. I did everything I could not to buy it. But I, I, I offered myself as kind of the bidder of last resort and said to right. the administrator, look, if you can't find anybody else, I'll work something out. I won't let my club go to the wall and I can't bear the thought of us being lower than the championship. So. But we, uh, we were in that situation twice before. Did you try to go in and buy it then as well? No. You just no, no, no I'd, I'd had a conversation with Simon because Simon, Simon, Jordan. Simon Jordan got himself in a, in a pickle with, the, with a, some money that he borrowed from some people. Right. So he, I first got contacted by Ron Nodes. So Ron said to me, I'd met Ron somewhere, chatted about the club, and Ron got contacted by the hedge fund that Simon owed money to, and they wanted to sell the debt to somebody. And they and thought, that could be anyone. Well, I think they were being mischievous. I think they thought if they sold it to Ron, because Ron and Simon had a bit of a cantankerous relationship, yeah. that Ron might want to buy it so he could get a Simon. I think they were just being mischievous. And Ron put them on to me, basically. So I... <laughs> Kind of started having a conversation with Simon, and then and then it went into administration, and then I said, "Look, I'm really not that interested in buying the whole thing, but if you can't find anyone, I'll see what I can do." And you were working full time in advertising then. I owned a business. Yeah, I had a big. I had two thousand people working for me in thirteen offices around the world. Are they all season ticket holders now? No, unfortunately not. But there is everybody does get. You know, everybody that knows you suddenly gets an affinity, don't yeah. they, to, to your club and they keep. Because like you, like obviously you used to go all the time. Yeah. Yes. So you would have like all the rest of us saw that Ron, uh, you know the kind of the, the kind of uh, the thing he built that was going to say this is what Selhurst Park's going to be eventually, yes. which, which never happened. Yeah, no. But uh, we used to get like just in the players' lounge. It was always you go by the by the little model. Yeah, yeah. Thing. Well, maybe we can do it. You know, Absolutely. funny enough, we've kind of come round to, or I've kind of come round to. That probably is the best plan. You know, one of the things that we've the the, the last four years. I mean, you say have you been? I mean, I had periods where I went. And then I had periods where I was building a business and travelling the world, and yeah. I didn't go. But y- you know what your football club's like. Y- you look at the results. Somehow you feel your life is intrinsically bound to the fortunes of this thing, Very don't much. they? You know, I don't know why you think that. You know, but it's, wherever you are in the world, you get off a plane in the middle of nowhere, you know, you, you either 
used to go on teletext or something, didn't yeah, you? Or whatever. I remember uh, when Diggy Freeman scored that last minute goal, was it against Stockport or something? Yeah. Keep saying. I was in Australia at the time, getting minute-by-minute minute blows of what was happening. Yeah, absolutely. It's in your blood. It, it's incredible, isn't it? It's, I describe it as, it's before you know anything about girls... Because it's, it, it's typically a male thing. I don't want to be sexist about it, but it is typically... Well, I think it's a community thing, it, really. Oh, well, listen, the research, all the research about why people go to football is not about winning and losing, it's about their mates. Yeah. So the average number of people that go to football is three. So, you know, people very, don't go on their own, they don't go with yeah. one mate, they go in a crowd. I mean, you said to me before we came on that you stopped going because you're six mates. So yeah. You kind of stopped going. Yeah. It's, it's a deeply kind of um, social thing. But I think before that, for me, before that, I mean, I remember... I've told this story a few times. I remember saying to my dad, Dad, who do I support? And my dad wasn't really a football fan. I was a, All I did all day long was play football. And, and did you live in the area? I lived in Forest Hill. Right. So he said to me, we, you, you can either support Palace or, or, or Millwall because they're the yeah. kind of closest clubs I'm going to take you to. His father was a Millwall fan who I never met. He died the year I was born. So uh, Palace had a better kit. And yeah, it's, it's, always, yeah. and I carry and you've this. You kept that. You've I done keep that going work, now. Yeah. I keep saying to people, "Look, why do kids fall in love with football teams? You know, it's what they achieve. But a lot of it's the kit. You know, it's, you want to wear that kit. When it, whenever I see a kid with the Barcelona, I think, oh, is that a Palace fan? No, it's, no, it's Barcelona. Barcelona. Well, now listen. Interestingly, the red and blue striped kit starts with FC Basel, right? And, a, and an FC Basel director set up Barcelona. So it's not a Barcelona kit, the red and blue stripe. The original kit is FC Basel. They're Do they the still wear that? They still wear it, yeah. They've got red and blue nets as well. All the fans want to have red and blue nets at Palace because FC Basel. But you it. did a great job with the uh, last year's kits. Have, have the new ones come out for this year now? New ones are out, yeah. We've got a new kit supply, Macron. They're fantastic. They're those skin-tight Italian yeah. ones, the kind of ones that people are wearing at the World Cup there. That people wear on bicycles. Yeah. They do a bigger fit, sure. Cheers, I appreciate that. <laughs> not just so I'm not getting the game then. Uh. Um, I, I actually weirdly I played uh, a charity game at Palace once where they used the the side of the pitch right. rather than the length. It was with Stevie Coppel, who I think Stevie Coppel is one of the reasons I love Palace more than anything else. And I tell you one thing: we well, had that game when uh, we went down at Arsenal when Ian Wright yes. scored. Yes. Now. I have never forgiven Ian Wright. I don't mind him scoring a goal, but he kissed his badge. Yeah, but they were singing things about his mum, weren't they, at the time? You know, I mean, he's, but that's Ian. Look, Ian's not going to lie down. You know, Ian's. You know, look, he knows what Palace did for him. We've named a lounge after him. He's been back. You know, arguably, you know, the, the better times in his career, more successful in his career, probably were at Arsenal. When he yeah. built a big bond with the Arsenal fans. I always say to Ian, you know, Arsenal's the mistress, we're the wife. You know, you'll come yeah. back in the end. And well, he, in what capacity, though? Well, he, 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 I see him out and about, and he's always really encouraging. And 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 you know, when in between managers, he's really helpful. You know, he's a genuinely, genuinely nice guy. And and, and he, I'm sure you're just kind of there, there is a bit of a thing between him and the past because they sang things about his mum, yeah. and he gave it back to them on the day. You know, and he's a professional. You know, the club he plays for was a club he was going to you know play well for, and, and it wasn't great that day. I mean, I, I I sulked all the way. I mean, I was terrible for four or five days. But just going back to your first question, the thing about football clubs, I think. I, the first time I went, I fell in love. Right. So before you know girls or anything, yeah. I was so deeply in love with that football club. Mainly Reggie Harcook, wasn't it? Oh, he was slightly later. He was kind of in my teens, wasn't he? Right. You know, but but, but the, the earliest players for me... I mean, I went on Jim Cannon's debut. I love Jim Cannon. My first game was we beat Chelsea 2-0. We still got relegated, the classic right. Palace Lovely. story. Um but, yeah, I went on Jim Cannon's debut and, 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 you know, the great kits and the great teams and, and Don Rogers, you know, when I was very young, kind of got me into it. So you were a bit older than me then. I thought you were... 49 well. this month. 
Happy birthday. Only Thanks. a year. I don't remember Don Rogers. But, but see, the thing is, right, you, you, so you love Crystal Palace, but then isn't that a big gamble buying it? Because does the love slightly go because you have to deal with the day-to-day rubbish now? No, I still love the club, and I, love, I think we've got a fantastic club you know, based in the community, people that have been around it and supported it years with a great. We showed our attitude last year. You that know, was, what, the what was that? Were what was in the water? Like all of a sudden, the Palace fans just didn't stop singing. I think we've we've always been good. You know, yeah, but, but not th- that good. No, but I think we've got a new, young hardcore of fans, and I think the really important thing that we've done, and Stephen and, and and I certainly have been in the vanguard of this, is is we've given them room to express themselves. Right? Yeah. I don't like. Personally, I, you know, I love 99% of all the things that the Premier League's achieved for football, but I think this kind of sanitisation of a football ground where it's a library, sit down, yeah. clap, you know, that's not what young men want to do, you know, and, and the average age of football fans... In what Britain, you're saying is our stadium is a bit crockety. Well, it it's is a got bit, passion. But it is a bit crockety, but the, the bottom line is you're not... People don't let anyone stand up. If you listen to most Premier League football games, throughout the game they're making announcements on the tunnels you can't stand up. It's pretty hard to create an atmosphere sitting down. You know, you don't want to sit down and sing at football, you want to stand up. So we, 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 we push the boundaries of that a bit, within the boundaries of safety. Obviously, everyone's got to be safe. But we, we like to let people express themselves, you know, and that reverberates then around the stadium yeah, yeah. and you get a great atmosphere. It's not, it's not the stadiums that have done for, for that sort of thing. It's just the ability for people to express themselves. But so, but so when, when the guys are standing in the home zone, that's actually against premiership law, yeah? Uh, it's a bit of a mute point. You have to. It's, it, it, some people would argue it's against the law of that. I don't think it is. You have to provide a seat. Yeah. But you don't have to make people sit down, and you're allowed. You're allowed to stand up in moments of excitement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. But they're always like, as you say, there's always ten announcers going, "Please sit down." Yeah, I mean, we we we've got grounds, areas of the ground where we're more lenient. You yeah. know, I mean, if, good on you. If you stood up. In some areas, it, you know, people can't see behind you, and not everybody wants to do that. But that generates an atmosphere. And I think that what we've done is we've just turned the clock back just a little. You know, we don't go too far back. You know, we know the connotations and we know over-exuberance could spill over into unsavoury incidents and all that. And we certainly don't want any of that. But we've just turned the clock back a little and we're an urban, kind of angry football club. And you're never moving from Selhurst then, no? Well, I think, you know, in an ideal world, Crystal Palace would have been great because that's our home, yeah. isn't it, where we came from. Football started there. You know, it's got such a great tradition. The, the most attended cup final was there. So we'd love to go back there. But, but it's the not problem really with that is you've got the athletics field, which kind of pushes you away from the actual pitch. Yeah, but they don't need it anymore. So right. you could build a new stadium yeah. up there, in theory, if you could get all the residents and on site. But I think right now, the best thing for us to do is probably build, you know, extend cellos, just make it a bit bigger. Yeah. We really need to get to 35,000, 40,000 So where, where will you build at the uh, Sainsbury's? Above there? the Sainsbury's. Right. Just probably new main stand with, with boxes in it and then get rid of the boxes at the Sainsbury's end could give you probably about 35,000, 36,000. And do you think we'd get that? Yeah. Well, well that's good to know because yeah, I mean, it's 25 or 26 now at the moment, is it? Yeah, we're selling out. Well, that's mainly season ticket holders, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we'll have 17,000 season ticket holders. Which is amazing. time you get the away fans, sterile areas in the press, we'll have 3,500 tickets to sell each game. That's right. it. And then by the time we built a new stadium, and the Premier League's so enormous, by the time we built a new stadium, listen, we could sell it out anyway if we were prepared to let a lot of opposition fans in. So right. give a bigger allocation to Liverpool, Man United, and all that kind sure, of stuff. Yeah. But what the aim would be is to sell it out to Palace fans. What we've done different this time round in the Premier League than we did in 2003-2004 is you can only buy a casual ticket if you're a member yeah. so that's helped the atmosphere as well because it's you know I remember 2004-2005 I would sit in you know the, some of the nicer areas 
like the players lounge yeah, we used yeah. to be right and bright now I would sit in there and it would be surrounded by Liverpool fans or Man United fans because anyone could buy a sure, ticket yeah. because we made it you had to be a member it really restricted that and it made it mainly Palace fans and you got a fantastic atmosphere so the aim is we've got a whole marketing scheme at the moment to attract overseas and local fans so we can build up pent up demand for season tickets what overseas fans Premier League's just enormous overseas yeah but see this is the thing and again where the whole power setup has to be given a good uh, applause, is we're one of the few teams that still bring youth through. Yeah. It's more difficult in the Premier League, you know. I oh, know, absolutely, because but but, that's the thing, like, you'll... I'm sure today you'll get a call saying, do you want this Mexican midfielder yeah. who's quite cheap? And you're going, well, then that's going to be a kid yeah. who's been going through the system that's not going to get a game. And this is indicative of the whole... Well, this is why England don't do well in the World Cup. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think England don't do well in the World Cup because the players aren't good enough. And, and, and they, frankly, for me... You know, all the other teams look like they're more bothered. You know, I think yeah. all of those players playing on those other teams, you know, are, are fighting. They've got a desire to improve their lives and are fighting to be seen. So why don't you think England have that then? I think they care. You know, and I think they try. But I think there's a difference between trying and caring and having a real desire. Yeah. And I think the reality of it is the Premier League is the richest league in the world by a mile. I mean, people mm-hmm. have no comprehension. But Premier League is the richest sporting league in the world of any kind. So, well, that brings bringing on to money, right? There's two points here I want to make. It's like, you obviously were a very successful businessman. And so have you given up all that now? Uh, I've got some property interests and various other bits and bobs I do. You know, I can't... I but can't. You, you gave up your big job, though. I sold the business, yeah. Right. So it became obvious to me... I mean, in the championship, we were just putting in quite a lot of money to keep yeah. it going. Were uh, you losing money every week? Uh, yeah, every week, yeah, in the championship. That must yeah. be really freaky, though. Yeah, I mean, luckily I've got three really good you know, investors yeah. that I brought along. So I saw what happened to Mark, I saw what happened to Simon, and I thought, well, this is not something you really want to do on your own, you yeah. know, because it, it gets quite expensive. And if you're the only person signing the cheques... I mean, the problem in football is you can you can take on liabilities in three days that can cripple you, you know, yeah. big contracts to play. But what I like about you as well is you're... And this isn't a bad thing, you're very careful with the palace money. You don't just throw it about. No, well, I, you know, I treat it as mine, and also well, the, yours, the, the yeah. fellow investors, and I think we all want a club to still be there, yeah. you know, so... And, and, and I think we've proved that you can do it with prudence. You know, if you look at the stats in the championship, you know, we were one of only four clubs. We made money because we sold Wilf. I mean, we didn't make money. Yeah. You know, the season cost us about eight million quid. To- why couldn't we get them back on loan? Uh, Cardiff, for God's sake. Well, at the time, Manchester, I think, felt that... They felt that, you know, they wanted him... They didn't want him to come back to an environment where he was very comfortable and safe and a hero. They right. wanted to kind of, I guess challenge him a little bit more um i really feel sorry for him because he's a great player and that's just a waste of a season he's a fantastic player and he's a fantastic lad as well um i don't a lot of supporters saw that i think for the one of the games at sellers he came back i think liverpool game he was in all the pubs around sellers and yeah yeah he's a he's a he's he's got a lot of time off hasn't he not playing but i'm sure listen players have that in their career you know they have the odd year maybe sometimes where it doesn't happen for them but i'm sure we'll get back on track now the very fact that like we've spoken about loyalty quite a bit when these players are coming to the end of their contract, there's no loyalty there. Is it DC's gone? And uh, who's gone? The, is it DC's gone? The South African guy? KG. KG. I'm yeah. dyslexic. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, and you, you had him all the way through, and just just no loyalty there. He just goes no, and it's purely for money, isn't it? Well, I think that's a bit harsh. You know, I mean, we we we, we offered him. You know, he's he's pushing thirty. You know, he's 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 probably never earned. 
you know, big footballer's yeah. money. What's he got? Maybe two, three, four years. You know, as a, as, a, as an all-action midfielder. You know, how long's he got? You know, and and he, he's got to make money. You know, while he can. Oh, I, you I know, understand he's, got, that, he's a great lad. He's got a foundation in South Africa. He does a lot for underprivileged kids. I'm not saying he's a bad fella. I'm just saying there's a lack of loyalty in football in general. Like, you know what? Still, I I just don't understand for a moment why Dougie Freeman left. No. That must have been really heartbreaking for you. Do you know what it was? I mean, and I've spoken to people about it. It was because, you know, I guess, I guess I thought he cared, you yeah. know, about about the club, and um, you know, I think he does. But but it's a footballer's mentality, you know, a footballer's mentality. If you get offered a new contract, you take it, and if it's better than the one you've got, you take it. You know, but I remember thinking he'd have to live in Bolton, which is not a lo- great area to live in. You know, it, that must have came into me just like, I have to bring the whole family up to Bolton. And see, the thing... What, They're what, used to it, though, football families. You know, they're yeah, kind of used to that, you the, know. The other thing is, like, like I know Ian Holloway came in after that, but that was very much Doogie's team. And for him to let that team go, you know what I mean? Because he built most of that team up. That was his work, wasn't it? Listen, I wanted to get promoted with Dougie. I thought we would. Yeah. You know, I thought we were on a kind of journey together as a, as a youngish chairman and a, and a, and a young manager. It was a kind of couple Ron nodes yeah. sort of thing, um, but you know he didn't see it that way, and he got frustrated for whatever reason, and, and, and he made that decision. Look, and who's to say he's still there? You did know, you I, ask him for? Did you offer him more money and stuff? I did offer him more money? Yeah, did offer him more money. So you pretty much everything hands on day to day. You deal with yeah. all that. Yeah. And so it's a, so it's a tricky time now because uh, we let I think we let about twelve players go, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, some of the oh, yeah, younger yeah. players, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so, will you be hoping to bring in 12? No, I think, we, we, you know, we, we want a smaller squad. Right. I think, you know, we, we we just, like a lot of teams, you know, you end up with a couple too many players on the books. Is Shamak still on loan, or do we own him now? Shamak is out of contract. Right. So, we, we bought him for a year. We had a year's contract with him. Right. He's now out of contract, and we're we're discussing a new contract with him. And so, is that hopeful? Really hopeful, yeah. I think he wants to stay and we want to keep him, so that's always a good start. You know, he loves it in London. We love him as a, as a person, as a player. He's a really top lad. You know, yeah, just get his haircut and then he'd be a top player, wouldn't he? Don't like his haircut? I don't think anyone likes not his haircut. Not having it? No. I, I love a word yeah. Would you please? Yeah. I know that. it's not going to be high on your... Just look one one of those means. Don't any, worry, any other now business. you don't like his haircut. I mean, if that's if, you know, you're, you're the voice of the people and the fans. I'm very you? much yeah. all like just just a little trim okay. at the back. Okay, but um, a bit mullety for you. Is that the problem? It's a bit seventies. I know you're saying okay. you go back a little bit. Yeah, but um, that's too much. Okay, I'll but, talk um, to him. But so I take it like you know. Well, again, not to go too much into money, but you must have been very scared uh, halfway through the season when we were at the bottom, thinking we're out of here. Well, I don't get scared, I, honestly. But I don't. financially, like you know, because as you say, there's so much money. Well, you know, we'd planned we'd planned for every eventuality. Right. So, I, I just didn't think we'd go down, Sean. I can't really. I just didn't think we'd go down. You can ask, you know, we had a, we had a shareholders meeting of the of the other you know owners, and and we went round the table, and I said we're not going down. I didn't think we were that bad in the first eleven games. No, we weren't. No, I didn't think we were that bad. We weren't getting beaten badly. You know, there was just a little bit of a lack of belief. Um, and obviously Ian wanted to play a certain way you know Ian's a very open yeah. uh, you know outgoing gregarious wonderful person and he just sure, wants yeah. to play football that way you know and, so, and and that really 
It's a shame because I think you know if if Ian compromised on that a little bit, we could have stuck with Ian and yeah. we could we could have stayed and, up. You know, that was his decision though. Or did you kind of say, look? No, it was his decision. You know, he he, he said to me, look, you know, I I, I just don't want him. You know, he, he had a bad Fulham was a bad game for yeah. him because he felt that they didn't respond to him at half time. Liverpool when we lost three one, three 0 down at half time. Second half we were fantastic, and he was like, great. You know, they listened to me. They know what I want. And and he just felt they didn't respond to him, and he felt that they wanted the players themselves were well, more comfortable. Lost the, the dressing room. Well, that's a bit harsh. That, no, they, they all that. love him, you know yeah. the players. He just felt he wasn't getting his point across, and that they were more comfortable playing a way that he didn't particularly like to play or like to coach. And because of that, he just felt that we do better with somebody else. And he mentioned Tony to me. They're mates, aren't they? They're mates. He mentioned Tony to me that in that moment, you know, and then. Obviously, when you've got that time, and, and Keith Millen came in and did really well. Yeah, we did brilliant. well against Arsenal, yeah. and then uh, you know, so because we were doing okay, you got a draw against Everton, I think. A hole as well. We beat. Well, Holloway had already appointed Tony, right? But but, but it, it was ga- Keith's team, though. Yeah, it gave me some time to look around, you know, to go and look at the overseas option, and you know, if you remember, Southampton were doing badly, and they went and get po- Pochettino yeah. the year before, so. You know, it's like anything, like any recruitment process. Yeah, because you know? now I remember, weren't we nearly going to get that Italian guy who went to Middlesbrough? Wasn't he high up on yeah, the Yeah, we had a chat, you know, and a really nice guy, fantastic. I just, for me, I felt for where we were and the personnel we have, for him to come in from Spain and make a difference instantly yeah. with no knowledge of the league would have been really difficult for him. No, you're right. Um, so, but, you know, people said, why did you even investigate? Well, because I just think at that moment... The the no's, the obvious no's, lead you to the yes. Yeah. You know, that's kind of the way I operate, right? I, if I've got a big decision to make, it's as much trying to work out what definitely isn't going to work, and then all roads kind of end up going to one place, don't they? And even nowadays, you've got social networks. I mean, the fans were asking me the other day, do you listen You're to You're very them? good with the fans as well. You give them a lot of time. Well, they're not idiots, are they, most of them? No, but I'm just saying that because a lot of chairmen don't do that. Yeah, I mean, that's our club, though, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I'm from there, you know, what am I going to do? They're all people I grew up with, half of them, you know, I mean... No, it, I'm just, it, I'm it, praising you, take the praise, yeah, Steve. it's nice, but look, I don't understand why you wouldn't talk to your, you know, fan base, customer base, supporter base. Listen, they were saying to me about the, the manager's thing, I went and did a thing in the Albion pub, and they were asking me about that, and they said, does it influence you? And I said, I remember getting one thing, you know, where I was kind of in all this kind of quandary about, you know, is Tony right for us, you know, we've got... We were all football. a bit. Do you know what I mean? Is, is he the right person? You're trying to get to know somebody really quickly, and it's yeah. really hard. And and so, some, a couple of fans said to me, you know, it takes us ten years to get in this league, on average, right? Surely we've got to try everything we can to stay in it, you know. And 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 those kind of comments sometimes get you back on track. Uh, he had that statistic. Never bringing anyone down. Exactly. First principle here is, you know what. I personally might never get a chance to keep my club in the Premier League again. Yeah. You know, if we get relegated, I've possibly got 10 years of battling in the Championship, which is an ugly, difficult league <laughs> to get out of, you know? It is, yeah. And, and then, you know, there's absolutely no guarantee you'll bounce back up. So I thought, look, let's give it a go. And, 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 and you know, we had a really kind of getting to know each other in January in the transfer windows. And were you talking tactics with them when you were getting to know them as well? Or did you leave that totally to... Well, you, you know, I think you've got to build a certain amount of credibility with the manager, and then if you if they think that it's worth them explaining stuff to you, they will, you know. So hopefully after a period of time, you know, there's a fine line between, you know, un- having a level... You, for me, you've got to go to every game. If the manager... It's a really good place to be if the manager's saying to you, 
I think so-and-so didn't do particularly well. I think we need to do something there, and you agree with him. That's right. a really good place to be, isn't it? Yeah. You know, in any in any business, in any walk of life. It's hard to do that if you're not there, and if you don't try and get some understanding. And the fact of the matter is, when things matter to you, I watch football completely differently now to when I, you know, I watched it as a fan. In what way? Well, because... Trying said, to well, he cost me a fortune, he's rubbish today. Well, you get a bit of that, you know, but certainly certainly the inside track that you've got, knowing certain things helps you, having certain things explained to you. And there's a lot of people in and around the club, you know, Dougie, from Dougie to Gary, is it, to, you know, all sorts of people down at the training ground that, you, you know, whose brains you pick. And mm. Because, for me, it's all about outcomes, right? It's all about creating outcomes. And, and if creating an outcome matters to you, then you'll intrinsically think about it more when you go to sleep at night, sure. when you're walking around during the day, and you work stuff out. You kind of understand it a little bit more. You listen to the commentaries differently when you're watching games. You watch games differently because you've just got some insight that yeah. most people don't have. And there's no magic bullet. There's no trick. But you just get more and more immersed in it like you're doing anything, and you understand it a bit more. Now, I mean, I actually think there should be a coaching course for chairman. Right? Yeah. I think somebody should set up a, like a badge, you know, just so you can just go... And just understand the the, the, the language of, right. of of football and all that stuff. For me, you kind of have to learn it the hard way over four or five years, you know. And, and we've all played football; we've all been coached, so you know a bit of it. Because but. I think uh, didn't a lot of the chairman, other chairman, didn't like Simon Jordan because he was a bit boisterous, wasn't he? Well, Simon's, you know, Simon's kind of attitude in life is that everybody's trying to take advantage of him until right. they prove they're not, you know. And and I think that. Uh, if you're in football long enough, you can kind of understand a bit more where he's coming from, you know, because you don't get anything for nothing, really, in yeah. football. You know, uh, th- there's some really nice people in it, that you know, your, your fellow owners at other clubs and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's kind of the ultimate dog-eat-dog world, you know, where... So you just wouldn't trust them? Well, I don't think it's a question of trust. I mean, you, you trust their intentions are purely for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, because, you know... And there's such a lot of money awash in football, and, and unfortunately it does attract a lot of people that are just interested in that completely, yeah. totally. And not all the players. I think you're wrong. You know, we've got love, wonderful players like Julian Sperone, you know, yeah. been at the club. That's why he must have been really breaking it when you brought in Hennessy. Well, I think that's, you know, that's football as well. You know, you you equally, you can't be a sentimental owner, you know. I, I know, mean, absolutely. The you're... wheel turns and everything moves forward and, you know, uh, different managers have different ideas. You know, look, Julian certainly won our manager over you know with, with, with his I mean Julian will tell you stories he, he said when another I won't name the name but another manager came to the club he told him he was going to be number three and that was after he just had a fantastic season wow. and he's had to, he's constantly had to prove himself for some reason maybe it's because he's not as tall and, and is, you know as imposing but he's been player of the year for the last two years hasn't he well he's been four times player of the mm. season now hasn't he yeah. um, you know and I think he would say last season he was exceptional but there yeah. were some other candidates that probably but so were strong, did you, you know? like when you were uh, buying Hennessy like I know obviously that was Tony's decision but obviously you'd have had a chat about it but did you meet Hennessy to see what he was like as a guy and did you uh, no on that score you know you generally take them you know if you trust your manager um, you might do I mean I've met players before they, they joined and but what I'm getting at Steve is that you'd go look you're not going to be number one you're going to have to work your way to get that I might be involved in that if the manager wanted me to sell that message, you know, right. to help sell that message to the player. In that case, it was a conversation between Tony and the, uh, and the player. So um, that, that's more normal, you know. Yeah. Um, what, what you've got to do at a football club is get an infrastructure of the football club that works. So you're buying players and you're doing things that have got a longevity to them because no manager's going to be there forever. 
that's the end of the first half of Sean's interview with Steve Parrish. Part two will be along soon. This has been a Dogs in the Field production. Thanks for listening.